And we thank you for your giving and your doing, whatever you do. We appreciate it. And I realize that when I say it to you, you guys appreciate me as well. I believe it's a two-way street, including those who are online. I appreciate you, and I believe you appreciate me. It takes all of us. All right, let's bow our heads, and we're going to pray over the preaching moment. We'll move my hat for a second. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, I'm praying that you would hide me beneath the cross, that God, you would illuminate me and strengthen me. God, as I share the word, God, allow me to drop something into the hearts of the people that they can uh, take into the next week and beyond that will give them strength and hope. And God, even give us more clarity and understanding as we teach it again on Wednesday evening. And God, just help us to be blessed and be the all-stars that we know we can be. In Jesus' name, we pray and let everybody say, Amen. Let me ask you a question for those of you who are in the building. Can you hear me okay? Do I need to be turned up at all? It feels low, but are, are we good? Are we good there? All right. We're trying to, uh, some of the people online, they haven't been having trouble hearing, and so we've been trying to fix it for them. Because sometimes when you fix it for them, it messes up for y'all. And when you fix it for y'all, it messes up for them. So we're trying to get everything on the right page. But we're going to get it because the devil can't stop nothing. Never has been able to. Amen. Sorry, right, let's get our Bibles in our hands. Let me get my anointed pacer hat back on. <laughs> Repeat after me, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple. Where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God. Feed me your word. Go ahead and put your hands together. Ian. I, I paused for a moment when we got to we commit to serve creatively because I, I, I thought about something. And then I was like, well, maybe I, I shouldn't say it. But then I changed my mind. I was like, I will say it. And so I do want to thank you, those of you who commit to serve and you do things outside of here and you are on boards, and you're visible, and you connect and show uh, the love of God, but you're actually helping the community. And I'm just going to lift out two people. There's several people. I'm just going to lift out two. But Brother Doug and Sister Krista, I thank you for your representation out there. Amen. The whole community loves you, but you are part of Deliver Simple, and you represent us very well, and I'm just grateful, and I can't love you any more than I already do. I don't believe, and I'm grateful. But for all of you who do things, some of you guys do things behind the scenes, I thank you for what you do. And those of you who are online, thank you for what you do. I'm just in a good thanking mode. 
So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get to preaching because I'm gonna be like, I'm tired of hearing all that. And I'm, I'm gonna go ahead. And I'm gonna preach. So here we go. Let's flash this picture up one more time. So this all star, which is in Indy, and what we're gonna do, we're going to talk about winning time. Somebody say, didn't we talk about that last week? We sure did. So let's recap, and then we'll move on. So let's. Last week we talked about four ways to win. In the game of life, four ways. Remember, I always say that there's multiple ways, but it's easier to just stay within four so I don't hold you guys forever. Uh, I try to preach an hour or less. It's good if I can go less, but, you know, I, so four. But there's so many ways that you can think of. So hopefully when I give them to you, it, it helps you spur your own thinking to think of other things. But let's just uh, recap. So number one last week was don't rely on luck. Man, we talked about being prepared instead of relying on luck. And then two, get a coach and be coachable. And then three, we talked about playing to win. And then we finished it up on four, pick the best teammate. And we talked about how Jesus always is the best teammate. And uh, thanks be unto God, which gives us the victory through Christ Jesus, which it says. And so today we're just going to simply be winning time continue. We're going to just continue the theme. And so now we're going to talk about four more ways to win in the game of life. So we're going to take the first four that we talked about, and then we're going to add four more. And so we're going to start today with number five. And so it would be number one if you were just looking at this sermon by itself. But in the continuation, it's number five. And so number five is simply this, go above and beyond. If you're going to win, and when we're talking about winning, we're talking about at an all-star level. Last week, we were talking about at a Super Bowl level, which means champion level. Super Bowl means that these are the last two teams left, and one person is going to be, for the whole entire year, they are going to be the champions. When we talk about all-star, not everybody gets invited to all-star. You have to be in the top upper echelon to be an all-star. And so when I'm talking about winning time for us, I am not talking about doing just enough to get by. I, I, I am irritated with the mindset that we're doing just enough to get by. Once again, my secret model, our public model is love, living our vision every day. My secret model is I want to build a state-of-the-art ministry in the hood which means we are in a certain social economic area and based on history and past history and things called redlining, then basically, especially in this city, uh, the, the black people specifically live in only two areas, Crosstown and Whiteley, mainly. is the, the, And it, it was done strategically. I don't have time to get into all that. And so people look at where we are, where we're located. They look at it as the hood. The crime rate is up higher. The poverty rate is up higher. But my goal was when you step in this church, it doesn't feel like everything else. In other words, the environment doesn't dictate to us. We dictate to the environment. And so if things are failing around us, we become a beacon light of hope and not just inside the four walls, but hopefully it begins to revolutionize the area around us. And ever since we've been here, things have shifted and changed. What we call the Muncie Homes look a whole lot different than they did 
uh, now than they did before. But you have to understand, we've been in this area preaching the gospel and it makes shifts in the atmosphere. I don't care what the mayor says. I don't care what the governor says. When you have a ministry that begins to preach the power of God, it will shift and it will change the atmosphere. It takes a while. It goes over time. But that's my goal. My goal is to build a state-of-the-art ministry in the hood. But that is just a portion of the goal. That's not the main goal. I say it all the time. The main goal is I'm trying to build state-of-the-art people. In other words, I'm not just focusing on the building because the building is not really the church. The church really is the people. And so I don't want just the building to be state-of-the-art. And so as far as the building, I'm always working on upgrading something to take us to another level. And so we are working now. That's why we're putting more in the building fund. We're working now to do go to another level as far as the natural building. But I don't want the natural building to outpace the people. I want you to be state-of-the-art people. But, Pastor, I grew up in the hood. So what? I want you on your in your mentality to be state-of-the-art. So when I talk to you about winning, I'm saying, please stop doing just enough to get by. Stop going on talent alone. Well, talent is good, but a real all-star, they practice beyond their talent. They go above and beyond. They know their discipline, and that's what makes them an all-star, and they can be trusted in crunch time. Here's the question I got to ask you. Can you be trusted in crunch time? And I can tell I've been building a state-of-the-art ministry. When I say I, I mean God through me. I can tell that God has been building a state-of-the-art ministry because when you look at the hell we have just come through, we were in crunch time, and somehow we're still shining like all-stars, even though we've been in crunch time. That means God has been doing something inside of us, and you may overlook us, but baby, you can't keep overlooking DT. We got something that don't everybody have. And it's based on God. And so, let me go back to it. I had to set it up. Let me go back to it. Go above and beyond. Having said that, I want to start off by last week I, I gave a story with Peyton Manning. I'm going to give us another story with a Indiana legend, and it'll help me paint the picture. So here it's it's a picture of Larry Legend, Larry Bird, who was a great Boston Celtic, but he was born in French Lick, Indiana, and so they called him the Hick from French Lick, but he was a bad boy. Now, when I was growing up, I didn't like him at all. Because uh, it was Lakers versus Celtics. And back in the day, it was like black versus white. I wasn't rooting for no Larry Bird. I was rooting for magic in them. But as I got older, I began to appreciate who he was because of my fandom. I really overlooked who he was. And let me say this. and let me, let me pause. And this is not in the notes, but let me add this. Sometimes you can overlook somebody because you don't like them. And sometimes you overlook the wrong people. I've never been a fan of LeBron James. I've never been a LeBron James fan. I've been a Michael Jordan fan. However, I don't want to miss the greatness of LeBron James because he's not my favorite. And sometimes because a person isn't your favorite, you devalue them. But let me tell you something. LeBron is a bad boy. 
in my book, he's number two right after Michael Jordan. He's close to 1A, 1B he, because you can't deny how awesome he's been. And there are some people, well, I don't like them because the color of their skin. You're passing over the wrong person. I, I, I don't like them because of uh, the neighborhood they come from. You may be passing over the wrong person. I don't like them because of this for that. You need to let go of that because some folk are winning. And if you smart, sometimes you got to learn how to get on the bandwagon of a winner and stop getting left behind. And let me add this to what I said previously. Some of y'all who don't like Deliverance Temple because we're not as traditional as you want us to be, you better get on the bandwagon because where we're headed, you better celebrate us while you can. Because when it's gone, it's gone. Celebrate us while you can. Go ahead and go ahead and fake like you like me because where I'm headed, you're going to be able to say, I knew him. I grew up with him. You better act like you like me because where I'm going. Let's go back. Let's, I, I, I didn't got off the subject for a second. Let's go back, bring Larry Legend back on up. So, interesting story. Larry Legend is in an Indy Pace car, and it says NBA All-Star. And if you don't know the story, it would look like he's in Indianapolis, Indiana, but he's not. He's in New York City. And so the NBA offices are in New York City. And when teams, cities, want to host the all-star game, they have to present a proposal. Well, the CEO of the Pacers, they decided to go all out. They decided to go above and beyond. And so they had their bid, but every other team uh, sent their bid through mail. But the Indiana Pacers said, we're not going to do that. We're going to have Larry Bird himself deliver the bid by hand. Not only that, but we're going to have him go through New York City streets. And if you've ever been in New York City, traffic is crazy. But they brought an Indy Pace car to New York City, and he drove to hand deliver the bid. But not, not only that, when he got in the car to drive it there, the battery had failed. And one of the helpers ran five blocks to go get a new battery and swap it out and change it so Larry could drive where he needed to drive. Because what they were trying to do, they were trying to meet the commissioner while he was yet in office. And so after all the work they did, Larry goes up through the NBA headquarters and a pandemonium was going on because nobody knew he was coming and people were taking pictures. He goes all the way up to the NBA commissioner's office and laid the bid on the table, and as we know now, Indiana is hosting the All-Star Game as we speak. But it's because they went above and beyond. The other teams were upset because they just mailed theirs in. They were doing what had always been done. But Indiana said, no, nah, baby, I'm getting ready to go above and beyond. And you have to understand, we had not hosted an All-Star Game since 1985, which is almost 40 years. But they said, when it's my time to shine, I don't care how long it's been I've been denied. I don't care how long I've been passed over. And people say, it's a cold-weather town. I don't care. I'm going to have a bid so extravagant. you got to take me serious. And that's what happened. They actually won the 2021 bid, but then the pandemic happened. 
And so they were asked about trying to do it, and, and the CEO of the patient said, no, let's wait, let's push it back so we can be even better. Sometimes delays hurt, but sometimes delays give you a chance to get even better. Yeah, I didn't get it this year, but baby, watch me next year. Yeah, yeah, I didn't get it today, but I'll just get better. I'm like Marvis at. I'm stronger. I'm wiser. I'm better because I know how to go above and beyond. But this is not a Pacer story and an all-star story. This is a biblical thing. So let's go to the Bible. Let's, let's look at this, and I want Mother Mitchell to read it. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile... Carry it two miles. This is Jesus' words from the famous Sermon on the Mount. And uh, it's out of its context, but people have made the, the uh, phrase, go the extra mile. That actually comes from Jesus' words from this sermon. So going the extra mile is actually from the idea of Jesus. Really what he was saying is basically he was saying, I need to teach you how to outlast your enemy. If your enemy thinks he can make you mad by making you go a mile, let them know I can go an extra mile. <laughs> Devil, you think you can mess me up because you made me go through a mile? Baby, I can go through two, three, four because I'm built for this thing. I'm built for tough. I, I know how to bounce back from anything. And so going the extra mile need to be a mindset. And once you be, want to become a winner, you have to have that same mindset. I can outlast anything. I can go above and beyond anything. I can be a great and grand in any area of my life. I don't have to be mediocre. I don't have to settle for mediocrity. I don't have to settle for the okey-doke. I can go above and beyond. I don't like being challenged by the devil. I don't like it. But if he going to challenge me, he can't hit me with no hangnail. Oh, God, I got to hang there. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to quit church. I got to hang there. I want to be tougher than that. Amen. I, I, in other words, Satan, if you're going to come after me, you're going to have to get up a whole lot early in the morning because you really don't know who I am. I'm built for this thing. So I don't like when you come, but when you come, don't come with nothing little because I'm not even going to pay attention. If you want to get my attention, you better bring everything. And guess what he has done? He has brought everything. But guess what we have done? We've come through everything he's brought, and we're still winning, and it's still our time to win. All right, let's read this next verse. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Of course, this is a famous money scripture, and it is in context. It is talking about money and giving, but that is not the only thing that it has relevance to. The idea of putting in little and you get out little is a universal understanding. So if you don't go above and beyond, then stop expecting above and beyond. If you want to put in mediocre, then you need to expect mediocre. Stop putting in little and expecting great. In the first sermon of the new year, when I talked about what else 
we, I told you that. A lot of times we are expecting God to do big and bad, but we don't want to do nothing ourselves. No, if I'm going to be a winner, I am going to put the work in. I'm going to put the time in. Everybody who was an all-star who will play in the game, they put the time in to be where they are. When other people were going around riding their bikes, they were standing somewhere shooting baskets. They were working. They were dribbling. It is not easy to stand on a high level it takes a lot of sacrifice but a lot of people they want maximum blessing with minimum effort but if you sow sparingly you'll reap sparingly if you give small you're going to reap small you got to learn how to expand I want big things so I got to start acting in a big way simple things I I uh uh, the, the, one of the last times we went out of uh, town and overseas, I got to thinking, my kids can't go overseas. They have been overseas, but only through cruises. They haven't. So I was like, I need to get them passports. But that wasn't the first thing I thought. I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, actually my goddaughter, and she was talking about some of her goals. I was like, well, if you want to do that, you're going to have to get a passport. You're going to have to start with something small. But what I was thinking, while I'm telling her to do this, I need to go ahead and provide for my children. I need to do that. In other words, I'm telling her to do it, but some things you can do for your children. And so I said, you know what? We're going to do that. And so we went not long after Christmas Day, and we went and all filled out for it. And I didn't realize how expensive it was to do it all at one time, but I wanted to make that investment in them because I don't, even though I appreciate Muncie, that ain't all I want my kids to see. So that means I have to put in the effort and after I get the passport, guess what I got to do? I got to book some trips. And I got to, hey, well, watch, now watch this, sister. Watch it now. No, we, you, you, you got to go, you got to do stuff. And some people, I want to travel the world, but you don't want to take off of work. That don't, you're going to have to put in the effort to get the things that you want. And so a lot of things are more within our reach than we realize. We act, oh, I can't do it. And the only reason why you can't do it because you have a can't-do-it mindset. If you get rid of the can't-do-it mindset, you'll find there's a lot of things you can do. Yeah. And that's going to lead me to the next scripture that ought to, that ought to just remind us. Come on, read Now it. unto him that is able yes. to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. So that's this God who works in us, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. And here's the thing. Even though he can do exceeding abundantly above all, if you ask and think on a low level, you actually limit how much he can do. The Bible says of Jesus in a certain area, he could not do many mighty miracles. He could only heal just a few sick folk because the people didn't have the level to go for the capacity that he had. So God has a great capacity, but if you don't, the problem is not with God. The problem is with you. If you go to the ocean with a thimble, you cannot blame the ocean because all you got was a thimble full of the ocean. If you go to the ocean with a Dixie cup, you can't say, hmm, this old trifling ocean. All I got was a Dixie cup of the ocean. No, baby, that's all you brought. But if you brought a barrel... You could have a barrel full of the ocean. The ocean is huge and vast, but if you don't bring something that's huge to receive it with, you can't blame the ocean. you got to blame your capacity to receive. 
And with God, if you want to go above and beyond, if you want him to do exceeding abundantly, you got to start raising your level of thinking. And that means raising your imagination. you got to start imagining grand things and trust God to do it. Every Sunday for the last three years, this iPad that I preach from, when it goes dark or locks, there's a car that I had on my screen on this particular iPad because it was a car that I was believing for. But if you walk outside there today, that car is sitting out there. But I had to imagine it first. I had to think of it first. And once I was able to imagine it and think of it, God was able to do exceedingly abundantly above what I could think because God could do it. Because when I first looked at it, it was out of my price range. But once God got them doing what he had to do, is now within my possession because I was able to think it. Yeah. And guess what? I'm going to keep thinking. I ain't done thinking. I'm not done imagining. All right, I, 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 I've gone too long with that. Let's keep on going. Look at this. Let's go to number six. Know the rules. This is real simple. Know the rules. Some people don't win because they don't know the rules. And there's a lot of examples I could give for that, but here's just one clear example from last week. Put this up here, this picture. Last week, we were preaching the Super Bowl Sunday, and then the Super Bowl happened, and the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes won the Super Bowl, his third Super Bowl. It actually went into overtime. It was a good game. It went all the way to the wire. Now, I want you to put up this next slide, and it may be hard for you to read, but let me... Uh, uh, share what I got it from. It is actually a story ripped straight from CNN. It says this, San Francisco 49ers, that's who the team the Chiefs are playing, San Francisco 49ers players admit they didn't know new Super Bowl overtime rules following loss to the Chiefs. So there was a change in the rules for the overtime, and they got into overtime, but one team didn't know the rules. For some of them, the greatest game of their life. But they didn't know the rules. Let's look at what the scripture says. 2 Timothy 2.5. Read this. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. You want to win, but you got to win according to the rules. My, my daughter, who's, who's playing in, in, in uh, elementary basketball, and she was playing one game and was, was doing good, but it was hard. They were losing. And so she was standing out of bounds and getting ready to pass the ball in. And normally, the other people have to pass the ball into her, but wasn't nobody moving. So she went out of bounds to pass the ball. But when she got ready to pass the ball, didn't nobody move. So a lot of threw the ball in and ran and grabbed her own ball. And tried to go, and they blew the whistle. That's like, baby, you can't do that. You can't, you can't throw the ball to yourself. She was trying, but it's against the rules. It, it, it was a good idea, but it went adverse to the rules. Some of y'all got some great ideas, but the reason why you don't win is not according to the rules. Some stuff you just can't do and make it work. You, 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 you 
cannot, you cannot drive around town and get where you need to go effectively in reverse the whole time. People going to think you're crazy. Somebody going to pull you over. You, it, it's very difficult. Can your car go in reverse? Yes, but it's not made to go in reverse to get you where you're trying to go. And a lot of us are trying to go to the exceeding abundant level and we're still in reverse. It don't work like that. Now, looking at this, I, I could stay forever on rules that we violate. But I don't want to do that. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to make it simple and real basic. I'm just going to give us one simple rule. If you get this rule right, pretty much you're going to be okay if you can get this rule right. So let's just go ahead and throw this rule out here, put it up there. It's a, it's a universal rule. Read, Mother Mitchell. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me pause and let me not wait to the altar. Let me let it be known the gospel is simple. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Like I told you last week, you got to pick the best teammate, which is Jesus. Here's what you got to do. You've got to say yes to the eternal gift and turn your back on the wages of sin because sin pays out something that you don't want to have. Now, here's what, what we don't sometimes fail to uh, prove to people. When we talk about the wages of sin is death, it sometimes is confusing because we know saved people who have died. But in salvation, once you know Jesus, once you have said yes to Jesus, you don't necessarily die like the world dies because Jesus even said of Lazarus, you actually just go to sleep. And you wake up in another reality that we call heaven. In other words, you cross from death into life. In other words, you, you, you go into your next chapter. Some people, when they die, it's goodbye. Other people, when they die, it's see you later. Because they're closing one chapter and they're moving into another chapter. And that's why what we do is so important because we're introducing people to the gift of God, which is Jesus. And that's why when people come through the doors, I preach Jesus to them. And even if they never walk down the aisle, when I'm preaching Jesus and they're back there nodding their head saying amen, even on the inside, even some of our young people who act like they're not paying attention because they're scrolling on their phone, but baby, it's getting in their spirit. And sometimes they're back there saying yes to God and when they say yes to God death cannot have a hold of them but heaven becomes their glory and their place of exceeding great reward so don't forget the basic rule we are preaching Christ and Christ crucified because he's the access to resurrected life yeah. amen the Bible said blessed are those who die in the Lord so that's just a basic rule. So here, here's, here's the point that I'm making. Why violate that rule and come to church every Sunday and you ain't never said yes to Jesus? You are wasting precious time because it ain't that hard. Whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, the process of sanctification is different. And the problem is some of us, we look at people who have not been fully sanctified and we say they ain't saved. Stop saying who's saved and who's not. Because the last time I checked, you was not G-O-D, you was M-A-N. 
and man cannot say what God will do and who God will save, when he will save him, how he will save him. He may not have came to the altar. He may not have got in the baptismal pool. But if God wants to save him, he can save him in a crack house. He can save him on a roller coaster. He can save him wherever he wants to save him, however he wants to save him. When God really changed my life, I wasn't near a church. I was in a dorm room by myself. And the presence of God came in the dorm room. The altar was not the church. The altar was my dorm room in Richmond, Indiana. But God can be anywhere he needs to be. He can meet you at the point of your need. All right. Moving right along. Point number seven. Don't be scared. But since I passed in the hood, let me say this. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Especially if you know you have said yes to Jesus. And you know you've picked the best teammate. And you've already going above and beyond. And you know the rules. You ain't got no reason to be scared of anything. Now, I'm not talking about what we call a conscious wise fear. There are some things that are wise. Like, for example, I do own a gun, but my, my bullets and my gun, I keep them separate so, so my kids don't accidentally find them. I, I have to put it together So because I'm wise and I'm conscious. So there is a, something called a healthy fear. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the things that are unhealthy. Now, they, they can be real, but they can also shift to being unhealthy. So on, uh, yes, not yesterday, two days ago, I believe, when, when, when the snowstorm hit, uh, you know, and it, it got kind of bad. I was not expecting it to be like it was, and it, it got pretty bad. And it was slick, and people had slid off the road and everything. And so my, my daughter, uh, my goddaughter, she uh, reached out to me, and she told me how nervous she was driving, how she had to turn around because it got so bad. And it was even worse in Indianapolis. And so uh, when I responded back to her, I, first thing I said, I said, yeah, that's good for you. And then I was joking a little bit, but part of me wasn't joking because here's the thing. There are things that come and scare us, but the problem is we only focus on the fact that we got scared and we forget the fact that we made it through. There are some people say, I, I, I can't get on a plane no more because the last time I got on, the turbulence was awful and I was scared. But if, the, if you're telling me the story, it means you landed means you got off the plane. But the devil wants us only to think about the fear. But he, he forgets, he wants us to forget the fact that we made it through. So what I'm telling you is don't be continuously and perpetually scared. Yes, it came and it scared me, but at the end of the day, I'm still here. Yes, I got nervous, but I'm still here. Yes, it shook me. But I'm still here. Yes, it hurt, but I made it through. Yes, I cried, but I'm still here. Yes, I almost lost my mind, but I'm still here. Sometimes you got to focus on the end result, and the end result is I'm still here. What you tried ultimately didn't work. All right, so I want to actually, I want to make this as a confession. Put this up. Say this with me. Say, I can be in hard things. Let's say it again. I can be in hard things. I can be in hard things. 
And survive them. And survive them. And survive them. So here's the thing. So because of Satan, he's going to bring hard things your way. He's going to bring scary situations your way. But when you understand, I can do hard things, I can be in hard things, but I also can survive hard things. But not only that, I can thrive in hard things. I'm grateful for the good times. I'm grateful for the mountaintops. But devil, if you just happen to get the upper hand, I can praise him in the valley. I can praise him in the storm. I can praise him in hell. I can praise him in a jail cell too. I can praise him when I'm up. I can praise him when I'm down. That's why Paul said, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. His whole point was I can abase and I can abound. I can go up, I can go down. In other words, no matter what part of life I'm in, I'm still going to win. Somebody say that. We say, no matter what part of life I'm in, I'm still going to win. Let's look at Deuteronomy 21 through 4. I'm going to have Mother Mitchell read. When you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours, do not be afraid of them. Because the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt will be with you. I'm not telling you not to be scared because the situation is not real. Here it says when you go to war against your enemies, you see the horses and the chariots and the army is greater than you. He said, but what I want you to remember is I'm with you. Remember, you already picked the best teammate. So when times get rough, you got to realize I got a teammate that's better than me. And guess what? When you got a teammate that's better than you, you don't get scared. You just pass him the ball. Listen, I can't do nothing with this person, but I'm passing you the ball, Jesus. I'm passing you the ball, God. As long as you are with me, as long as you're still on my side, as long as you still got breath in my body, that means you still believe in me. You're still protecting me. You're still warring for me. And if you're still here, guess what? I'm going to trust you. Let's read. Let's go to the next verse. When you are about to go into battle, the priest shall come forward and address the army. Oh, that's my job. My job is to be the priest to stand before the army because I don't know what's going to happen when you walk out the doors and you face February, March, April, May, June. I don't know what you're going to face, but my job is to stand up and to address the army and say what thus says the Lord. What am I supposed to say? Read the next verse. He shall say, hear Israel, today you're going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not panic or be terrified by them. Hear Deliverance Temple in Muncie, Indiana. Today you may face something rough. You might go into a hard battle against the enemy, but don't be faint-hearted. Don't be scared. Don't 
be afraid. Don't get your wig twisted and your weave all sweated out. I want you to get your confidence back. I don't want you to panic. I don't want you to be terrified. I want to remind you of the God that you serve. Let me pull out my pom-pom. I'm trying to tell you, you ain't got to fret. You ain't got to give up. You ain't got to turn to your addiction. You ain't got to lie on folk. You can trust the process. And the God that I serve, he's able to bring you out. The God that I serve, he's able to turn it around. The God that I serve, he's able to bring you over. The God that I serve, it's my job to tell you what I know. I know he's a way maker. I know he's a promise keeper. I know he's a miracle worker. I know he's a mind regulator. He opens the blinded eyes. He makes the lame walk. It's my job to encourage you in the law. Problem is, I'm the priest, but I got to go to battle too. I ain't a priest that sends y'all and got to go sit on the sideline. I got to be the first partaker. But what I've learned through my life, just like the song we sung, all my life you have been faithful. All my life I haven't liked what I've gone through. But when I look back over my life, I got to say you're faithful. Because I should be crazier than what I am, but you've been faithful. I shouldn't be living where I live. But you've been faithful. I shouldn't be driving what I drive. But you've been faithful. I shouldn't have what I have. But you've been faithful. And I'm here to let you know. He's a faithful God. He's a mighty God. He's a warring God. He's a great God. Great is the Lord. And greatly to be praised. In the city of our God. In the mountain of his holiness. So. I don't waste my time coming up here telling y'all everybody who going to hell. Well, if you do this, you're going to hell. I ain't wasting time. I'm preparing y'all for the battle. Yeah. I'm not just preparing you for the battle. I'm preparing you for the V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. I'm preparing you for the victory. Yeah. All right, let's, let's go on and let's read. And here's the reason why. This is what, this is what he wanted them to add, the priest to add this last part. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Oh, there are some things you struggle with. You are assigned to actually struggle with them. The Bible says of Paul that he said he prayed three times for the Lord to take something from him. And the Lord said, no, my grace is sufficient. I'm not going to remove it from you. But there are some things... That all you got to do is show up and God says, I'll fight for you. Didn't say, I'll fight with you. In this one, I'll do the fighting for you and I'll give you the victory. Let let me see if I can go ahead and demonstrate it. I'm going to do the fighting and I'm going to turn around and give you the victory. Well, guess what? If God's going to give me the victory, guess what I can do for this next battle? I can go ahead and sit this one out. (laughs) Oh, go ahead, God. Do your thing. Oh, you a bad one, God. Oh, look at them demons over there. You got that too. Go ahead, God. Go ahead, Jesus. Do your thing. I'm relaxing. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and take a nap because God got this battle. I don't know what you're facing, 
But the next battle, you can go ahead and get in the back seat because God got this thing. What, what do you think the devil will think when he's expecting to see you walk through the door, but the king of kings comes through the door? Uh-uh, I'm fighting for Andre today. I'm fighting for Deliverance Temple today. Yes, Andre has had to fight. Yes, the liver simple has had a fight, but this time I'm going to do the work for them. That's what all-stars do. All-stars get some breaks. You know, there's a lot of all-stars here in uh, Indiana, and you know what? They got a lot of money, but guess what? A lot of them getting free stuff, even though they got a lot of money. Because even uh, Shaq was at Country Kitchen. I don't know whether he paid for it or not. But he gave a big promotion for Country Kitchen. But guess what? It's in Country Kitchen's benefit to give him a free meal because what he says will make other folk come. Well, guess what? Once you get to a certain level, there's some stuff you just get for free. There's some battles you ain't got to fight. I'm getting ready to get some victory for free. I didn't even pray for it, and God brought it to me. I didn't even ask for it, and God did it. I didn't even think about it, and God did it, because he's able to do exceeding abundantly above everything I ask or think. Some of y'all are going to end up in some places and look around and be like, wow, I didn't even expect this, but God did it anyhow. Because you're an all-star. Somebody say, I'm an all-star. All All right, point number eight. And here's our last point for the winning series. Here it is. You need a go-to move. Let Let me go back to the basketball analogy for a second. Back in the day, in the Lakers day, there was a big old center called Kareem Abdul Jabbar, formerly known as Lou Alcindor. But he had something, he had a go-to move. Anybody know what his go-to move? The sky hook. And when things got rough, he would go to his go-to move. You need a go-to move as well. Let, let, me, let me go ahead and, and uh, see if I can give you some more examples. Uh, Michael Jordan, he had what they called a turnaround fadeaway. And just give him the ball. He, he'd lean back on the defense. He'd fake this way. He'd turn around and fade away. Nothing but net. He had a go-to move. Uh, LeBron James has what he calls a step back. It's not really. It's a step to the side three. And when he get hot, he'll hit it. You got to have a go-to move. In other words, when everything is in crunch time, I got something I go to that I guarantee is going to do what I need it to do. All right. And so, piggybacking off of our last statement about the fear, let's go to this. And actually, we, I'm, I'm going to have y'all say it with me too. I'll read it first. Satan's go-to move is fear. <laughs> but our go-to move is faith. And faith trusts fear every day of the week. Say that when you say Satan's go-to move. Satan's go-to move is fear. Is fear. But our go-to move. But our go-to move is faith. Is faith. And faith. And faith trumps fear. Trumps fear. And faith. And faith trumps fear. Trumps fear. And faith. And faith trumps fear. Trumps fear. Every day of the week. Every day of the week. Come on, put your hands together over that. Now. But, but maybe because I'm preaching like this, you just make yourself up to fit your all-star message. 
But let's go to the Bible. You know, I, I, I don't just be making stuff up. I get my stuff straight from the B-I-B-L to the E. Read this next verse. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. Now, I don't know what the Greek of every means, but I think every means every. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory, this win through what? Our faith. Go ahead, put the verse back up there real quick. Just just need to look at it again. Make sure it's saying what I think it says. He says, every child of God. Yes. You, 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 you know you are a child of God? Yes. That means you. That, that means you, Reva. That means, that means you, Faye. That, that, that means I can call all. That means you. Whoever's looking online, Kelly, you watching online, that means you. You a child of God. And every child of God defeats this evil world. Yes. And we achieve this victory through our faith. faith. Let's go to the next verse. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Oh, hold on, hold on. It takes my faith, but it's not a hard faith. All I got to do is believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I'm a child of God. All I got to do is put my faith in him, in Yeshua. Yeshua HaMashiach, which is the, the actual uh, Hebrew for Jesus the Christ. It is, because some people say you can't say Jesus. Listen, I can go all the way back to Yahweh, to Yeshua, yeah. to, to Yahashua. I, I know everything they called him. In Greek, it was Eosus. And Eosus, as they transliterated from Greek to English, it became Jesus. But it's the same thing as Yeshua. So call him what you want to call him, but you got to believe he is the son of the living God. And if you believe that, that is your faith, that's your go-to move that defeats this whole evil world. So even if you lose a battle, doesn't mean you've lost the war. Because as long as you believe in the Son of God, you will win this entire thing because he defeated it for us. Yeah. All right, let's read this. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, changing passages, let's, let's look at this, this verse. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Listen, this is this is all you really got to do. At the end of the day, all you got to do is keep the faith. And so uh, Paul writing to Timothy says, I fought the good fight. What, what, what's a good fight? A good fight is a fight where you win. If you lose, it ain't a good fight. But I fought the good fight. And how did I win? Because I finished the race. I kept the faith. Just on yesterday, we were in Kentucky with my brother and his wife and loss of her mother and of course it, it was a sad thing and, and I will say they need prayers because they're in their 30s my brother's lost his father and she's lost her mother and her stepdad and they haven't even hit 40 yet so that, that, that's tough but the difference as we were there in the service it was a homegoing celebration. Yeah. And the actual anointing was there. We had we had church right. at the church. 
Because when a person has kept the faith, they don't die, die. They, they, like I told you, they just cross into a new existence. And so sometimes, selfishly, whenever people close to me, uh, their health is failing, I always ask for more time. Uh, and that's always my prayer. All y'all loved ones, I pray all of them. Mother, Mother Woods, I know she'd been in a nursing home, but I heard she was getting sicker. I said, I'm asking for more time. But I'm praying that prayer, but I know I'm asking selfishly because I want more time. But guess what? When somebody ready for their reward, listen, you, there ain't nothing you can do because their reward awaits them. And they're like, Paul, listen, I done fought my fight. I done finished my race. And all I needed to do was keep the faith. That's all I had to do was hold on to my faith. And if you get to the end of this and you still got your faith, you got a reward coming, baby. You got a reward coming. And so while I was sad, even there, I could feel the peace of God that passes all understanding. Not that my, my uh, sister-in-law and brother won't still be going through a grieving process because she was staying with them. And, and she, they were, she was living with them, so they spent a lot of time with her. So I, I understand that. But it's different when folk die in the Lord. Yeah. It's, it's, it's different yeah. when you have a peace that, yeah. that, that they, they are in the presence of God. And there isn't, whatever was paining them is no longer paining them. It's a different understanding. And yes, we, 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 we don't like the loss it gives to us, but knowing, I, I, I know Royce Mitchell with his talking self is having a blast in the presence of God telling his testimony and welcoming people when they show up so I can't be too sad cause I know he kept the faith and all I'm telling you you gonna win if you keep the faith you gonna win if you hold on I know you feel like throwing in the towel but let me grab your arm and push it back I need you to keep the faith baby because if you keep the faith there is a crown of life at the end but then one scripture says but there is a mystery not all of us is going to sleep in a moment in the twinkling of an eye we all shall be changed. So when God begins to wrap up his thing and Jesus returns, folk who are not yet dead, who have not yet went to sleep and they know God, we just going to get caught up to meet him in the air. So all you got to do is keep the faith. The Bible says that Jesus says when he returns, will he find faith on the earth? Guess what, DT? We're going to keep the faith. All right. Here's the summary. Let's rise to our feet as we go to the summary. I've had y'all do some confession. Y'all won't have to confess after me. I'm just going to go ahead and read it to you. And then we got one more confession to make. Here's the summary. I will go above and beyond because I know the rules of life. You get in it what you put out of. Or you get out of it what you put in. I am not afraid because I know who fights for me. And all he asks me for is my faith. Say it again, I'll go above and beyond because I know the rules of life. I'm not afraid because I know who fights for me. And all he asked me for is my faith. Well, guess what? If that's all God is asking for, that's all the devil wants. All he wants is your faith. But here's the thing. We're going to repeat this. I'm almost tempted to have a say it seven times. Is that too much or can y'all do it? 
Come on, let's do it. Come on. Say it with me. I win in the end. One, I win in the end. Two, I win in the end. Three, I win in the end. Four, I win in the end. Five, I win in the end. Six, I win in the end. Let's do one more for number eight. This time we're going to say, we win in the end. All right, let's bow our heads. Winning time, winning time. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father God, we win in the end. That's all I'm going to pray. God, help us keep the faith so we can win in the end. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all, my all-stars. We love you. God bless you.